For Box Office Magazine, Amy Nicholson calls this film just another cycle of bombast and boredom. Nathan Rabin of the AV Club says it's never close to good and it can't even get bad right. And David Hiltbrand of the Philadelphia Inquirer says Bangkok Ridiculous is more like it. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Bangkok Dangerous. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Look out, Dan, there's an assassin, and he's coming to get you. You're in Prague. Oh, boy. Oh, I bet I'm his last job before he (laughs) retires. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. It's Ruined Childhoods time. Dan, we had a lot of fun in the last one. Had a blast. Want to thank Ray DeJohn for coming, uh, for being with us and joining us to talk about um, all of the magic and wonder that is back to the beach. I feel like I got to have one more chance to stand up for my boy Damien Slade, uh, who played Bobby. Well, and you know, John, not not for nothing, you you are not alone because uh, in his rave review of the movie, Roger Ebert yeah. really uh, gives Damien Slade a lot of I know uh, a lot of credit. I know. I felt like, you know, Ray, I love you, but you were being a little hard on the guy. He was he uh, he makes me happy. He was not there to provide a a method performance. No, nor was he supposed he, to be taken seriously. No, he was there to flick his little switchblade comb. And, and it was wonderful. Yeah. And he played really nicely off of uh, off of Frankie and Annette. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a, it was a lot of fun to watch that movie and revisit it and and talk about it. Yeah. Um so bef- before before we talk about our uh, <laughs> our soup du jour, uh, Bangkok da- Dangerous, the movie that makes that that actually does make Back to the Beach seem like it is high art. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, I, I did. Uh, and by the way, to those who who might be new checking us out for the first time, welcome. Um, uh, what we do here. If somebody is, we- is checking out this podcast for the first time on this episode, it means that they are seeking out a podcast that's talking about Bangkok dangerous. Well, and <laughs> and to that I say welcome. Welcome. Yes, of course. You're 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 our people. Um so what we do on this podcast is we we kind of talk a little bit about the movie, uh about the plot, the characters, performances and behind the scenes information. And then really the uh the main course, if you will, is uh is where John here and I discuss what we think could be done with this property if if it had to be done because everything's getting a spin-off or like sequel 20 years later or something and so and they're they're sometimes they're great uh and sometimes they're not so 
we we kind of theorize we uh we imagine what what we would do what we would prefer to be done and some of these are are you know films and franchises and characters and series that are beloved to us uh some that are beloved to like society in general classics like rebel without a cause uh yeah. we did a couple of episodes ago classics that yeah. are just classics to us like back to the beach <laughs> Right. And in certain, so I like to say like classics and cult classics. And some of them, of course, are just classics to us. In the case of Bangkok Dangerous, I feel like this movie is kind of notorious. Uh, It's not necessarily a classic or a cult classic, but you, it, I felt like it just kind of came up in the zeitgeist of crazy. Nicolas Cage movies. So it seemed like it'd be fun to talk about in this context. Yes. Yes. And by and that we shall. But but actually I, I have a one more thing, something I want to add to our our body switch episode. Oh. Uh yeah. So Going we back a few episodes. We, we had talked about some possible ideas for body swaps, and I had talked about the possibility of a uh, teacher-student body swap. And um, I discovered, as I was sorting through our all childhood belongings uh, at our parents' house, so I discovered a book, and I, I forgot about it when we recorded, but uh, our our mother, John and I are brothers, yeah, yeah. Uh, and our, our, our mother sent uh all these these things that i found that i was like don't don't throw this away i could use this uh and what i forgot about was uh that this this novel if you will by todd strasser help i'm trapped in my teacher's body oh gotcha and I don't know. This was not mine as a child. I don't know who's. You know, it, it, it you could have been mine or Scott. our brother Scott's. You know, I it's. it's Probably, seems, I think it was Scott's. I'm possibly or both of ours. But here's the thing: is that yeah. you know, it's definitely in the vein of like the Bruce Coville, like my teacher's an alien, my mother's an alien, like those oh, types of definitely. things. Definitely. So definitely. those were just hot well, at the time. I'll post a picture on our Instagram at ruined childhoods pod and, uh, and, and you'll see, but this is, uh, it's quite something. And I actually don't know if, um, if, if either of you, if anyone ever read it, because this spine is like uncracked. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm more of a movie guy than a book guy. I like reading, uh, but certainly uh, when I was a kid, I would, you know, not my favorite I definitely feel, though, but I'm just shocked because in a household where vice versa was, uh, you know, held on a pedestal to have this book help I'm trapped in my teacher's body, I just, I'm adding that to my reading list. But anyway. Describe a scene in which the teacher... Who's now? Wait, is the the kid in the teacher's body, and then is the teacher in the kid's body? I'll, I'll read. I'll read the the. Oh, cool! Thanks, Dan. Back here. So, uh, Jake Sherman used to be your average ordinary twelve year old until he became a completely different person: tall, skinny, balding, nerdy. Uh oh! Oh no! 
Jake's turned into his weirdo teacher, Mr. Dirksen. It's bad enough that Jake's an adult now, but a teacher? The geekiest, most made-fun-of teacher in the whole school? Jake's sister Jessica is the only person who will believe him, and even she's a little suspicious. Jake and Jessica better find a way to get things back to normal fast, not only because Jake's going crazy, but also because dorky Mr. Dirksen is running around in Jake's body. Ah, the nightmare is only beginning. So what I want to know is if Mr. Dirksen in Jake's body is described as giving a very knuckly middle finger. That's what I want to know. Because in that case, it's true. I missed out. It would have been a lot more like vice versa than not, uh, I would have preferred. I Not in this scholastic publication. Not that, no, not that one. All right. I, I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it. But anyway, so there's my one more thing from gotcha. our- Gotcha. Another entry into the body swap genre. Of course. That's wonderful. Uh, okay. So- uh, Bangkok Dangerous. Uh, this was, you know, as a lot of people know, there are two different types of Nicolas Cage movies. There's say the, two different types of Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> well, there are two different kinds of Bangkok Dangerous, but there's a, there, there are Nicolas Cage movies and there are Nick Cage movies. And the Nick Cage movies are the ones that are lower budget the ones where he's really just trying to dig himself out of his like tax hole or whatever and pay for uh, all that weird shit he's bought over the years yes exactly so you know you certainly have your nicholas cage movies you have moonstruck you have adaptation uh leaving las vegas leaving las vegas you know you have your high quality and uh you know I would even consider movies like Face Off and Con Air and The Rock to be Nicolas Cage because that was still in that era where he was well, just pumping out the hits. So, so I Snake guess guys. My my question is: Do do the Nicolas Cage movies fall under the like you know big wide release blockbusters? Not necessarily, the Nic- because then there's like Mandy, which is an an independent. That's, you know, uh, kind of just like a, a cult movie, essentially. And, right. and that one's Nicholas. So, uh, I don't know. I think it's when they have at least the slightest tread of clout, they are... So, Mandy uh, Mandy falls under the Nicholas? I think so. Okay, interesting. I, I, I'd kind of placed it in the Nick Cage column. Oh, okay. Although, I feel like it does have a little more... There's a little more gravitas to it. Yeah, I mean, it's have, a little bit more. Have you hardy. seen it? Uh, I have seen clips from it. I am. I have not had the opportunity to watch it I, in full yet. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. It's definitely like there's. I mean, I don't know. I don't have much to compare it to. In like the Nick Cage, I will fess up to not having seen. Uh, a whole lot of quote unquote Nick Cage the movies, the Ghost Rider movies. Um, oh, okay, I saw I saw I'd like say, part of go- yeah. the Ghost Rider movies. So wait, hold I would on. say While even we're... the National Treasure movies. So okay, so two types of movies. I'm sorry, I'm looking at a list of. I just googled weird shit Nick Nick Cage has bought, and oh. I found a thrill list. A oh list yeah, of 12 like dinosaur things. bones and 
Castles. Two albino king cobras. A Gulfstream oh jet doesn't seem that odd here, but pygmy shrunken heads uh, does. A pyramid tombstone. Yep, a 67 million year old Tarbosaurus skull. He outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for it. My God. He's gotten, uh, he had an ad or had or has an octopus, shark, crocodile, private island. That's all right, fine. Um, a haunted murder mansion. That's oh pretty cool. And the Shah of Iran's Lamborghini. Okay. Like it was, he bought it in 1997. It had belonged to the, 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 the Shah of Iran. Who was All right. Before the revolution. Anyway. So yes. So, so yes, Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage. Um, he's an interesting dude, but his new one pig, Nicholas Cage. I mean, yeah, that's that's what it what it seems. But I'm sure he's got another new one that's a Nick Cage. He's probably got oh, like yeah. three Nick Cages also, like that are quote unquote new. Like I'll I'm go sure. on Netflix and be like Nick Cage, Jamie King, yeah, and Bruce Willis, like sodden ground. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a remake of a 2000 film uh that is the same directors but this is just the uh freshened up uh english language for the most part version uh the original there are some uh, slight differences that kind of take different shape in this one unfortunately i couldn't find the original anywhere to stream uh, yeah. Otherwise, I would have definitely checked it out because I'm sure it would have been, I don't know, maybe a better, better better movie. But it seems like Nicolas Cage definitely had a hand in bringing this uh, 2008 version to life. Yeah. Yeah. He produced it. Yeah. But he's kind of like when you when I feel like when you watch a Nick Cage movie, you're watching it because you want to see just the the unleashed. And this is where I feel like Mandy actually fall like kind of straddles that categories because he is like unleashed in oh, Mandy. And yeah, you know, there are certainly some, so. there are certainly some that straddle the category, you know, that, that have a foot in both sides. But so like, like you want to see him have those, those, those moments, those, I, I, I won't even try to impersonate, uh, the, there are some great, can I tell you which Nick Cage impersonation always comes to mind as one that I remember and it's so random and it's such a minor thing. But so do you remember the Aaron Sorkin series studio 60 on the sunset strip? Okay. I sure do. So this was of course behind the scenes, the wheelings, dealings, walkings and talkings behind the scenes of a sketch comedy program. And yeah, um, like some of the more like supporting characters on the show were like the cast members and Nate Cordry. Nate Cordry was on that show. Nate Cordry had a um had a little bit of a more more featured role than Beefy the person role. who I'm yeah. gonna yeah I really like I liked the series. I figured who else was like Amanda Peet, um uh Josh oh, Josh Lyman Bradley, Bradley Whitford, Whitford um Matthew Perry. Uh, Matthew Perry was in it. I think Stephen Weber probably popped a lot of the Sorkin. Stephen Weber, I believe, did come in there at some point. So, a guy who was in that movie is Simon Helberg. You would know him 
one might know him from Two and a Half Men. Others might know him from Florence Foster Jenkins with Meryl <laughs> Streep. He was nominated for Golden Globe for that, and he's oh. currently appearing in in the controversial art house sensation Annette with Adam oh. Driver and Marianne Cotillard. Um, so Simon Helberg played one of the like cast members on the sketch show, and he did a Nicolas Cage. He did like I I think like the sketch was the Nicolas Cage talk show. Ah, okay. And it was just like in one episode. It wasn't, it was like just something they were like, all right, well, we have to show part of the show that we are making this show about. So, oh, he's on the Big Bang Theory. Oh, Big Bang. Did I say two and a half men? You did say two and a half men. I am, they, I apologize. I do not, I mean, no offense to fans of either show. Um, I am, I am a fan of neither. So, uh, anyway, yes. Big Bang Theory. Sorry. He is, yes. Um, he fills one of these stereotypes in that, in that cast there. So, but Simon Helberg, great Nicolas Cage impersonation. Gotcha. Okay. And we're back. I'm Nicolas Cage, your couple's counselor. And I'm here with Mindy and Jack. Jack, before the commercial, we were talking about I, I was just saying that i feel that mindy could be a little closer to my stepbrother phil don't worry if i'm right about mindy she'll get a lot closer to your stepbrother phil you'll come home and find your stepbrother phil in the shower wearing your favorite felt hat i'm not perfect either heroin no well, what is it then Sometimes I leave used floss lying on the bathroom counter. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a big deal. Jack, let me draw you a straight line between her floss on the edge of the sink and her used bloody syringes all over hand-stitched Australasian yoga mats. (laughs) I don't do yoga. When you look at a, when you're watching for Nick Cage, what you're waiting for is is the freakouts and the physicality and like even like stuff like in Gone Gone in sixty seconds, right? When he, you know, like he when he does what only he can do. Yeah, he's like 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 a Christopher Walken. You, no one else is going to give you what Christopher that Walken gives you. Yeah, and um, with and I would I wish I could say that that was the case for the Nick Cage that we get in Bangkok Dangerous, but. He feels so sedate and asleep, and it's not like uh, well, he's like acting. I, th- I think he's. I think he's going for something. I think he's going for stoic and very much like guarded. But why don't we do a little synopsis and then we'll do a synopsis we'll and then we'll get, we'll come back more. to guarded. So I yes. was writing this synopsis without looking at any uh, material about it. So I uh, I believe his character's name is Joe. And I know that the um, the villain in this has a name, but I couldn't remember it. So I am just referring to them as the client because, uh, you know, they are his client. Surat. Surat. That's what it is. Yeah. So, and I also couldn't remember the... Uh, the leading lady's name, but I'm on Wikipedia right now. So oh, okay. I, yeah. All I right. Do not so remember. I'm just going to, you're just going to hear me talk about him as the protagonist. So a seasoned hitman with a strict code of conduct travels to Bangkok for a four hit deal. 
What our protagonist doesn't expect is that he's about to break two of his own rules. Part of his routine is to find an expendable assistant to help liaise between himself and his client, couriering for the details of the next hit. He ends up taking in his new assistant, Kong, and trains him in close combat martial arts. And then, after he sustains a significant cut on his upper arm, he meets a deaf-mute pharmacist for whom he is smitten. He attempts to form a relationship with her, but Fs it up when he kills two pickpockets while on a date with her. And then, his client assigns him to kill Thailand's Prime Minister, who is very beloved and has done great things for his less fortunate constituents, according to Kong. As he's supposed to pull the trigger during a JFK-style convertible motorcade, he has a crisis of conscience and misses his opportunity to make the kill, and by this point, he is seen by security, which results in a full-on chase through Bangkok. Unhappy with the failed task, the client wants to find our protagonist to kill him. He knows that the only way to do so is to capture and torture Kong, which is easy, since Kong is dating one of the dancers at the client's nightclub. They begin their hunt for the hitman, which results in some major shootouts until our protagonist is one-on-one -on -one with the client. Spoiler alert! But he knows that the only right thing to do is eliminate them both with one final bullet. So, Dan, I don't know, what what else do we need to, to let our audience know about this movie? I, I don't know. It, it's definitely like... Had had John Wick happened before this, this movie just straight up wouldn't have happened at all. Oh, no, there would be no need. Because I think that what Nicolas Cage was hoping to go for was a John Wick style character, but just didn't pull it off. And no, I, I don't want to like, you know, knock on Nicolas Cage's mm. acting abilities because we know that he has them. Oh, it's not, and it's not just him. It, it really isn't just him. It, like the, the failures it's a very of this stylized movie, uh, very like overexposed film, and you know, it's it's very two thousand eight. It's very two thousand eight, but and I felt like, like I I just imagined the the filmmakers. I don't um you know year decades ago watching like their VHS copies of like uh hard boiled and yeah. uh, like you know the the John Woo like the classic John Woo movies yeah. and and it felt like this was this was like you know thank god they they didn't really do the slow motion that John Woo right yeah. Love so much. But there it were just, a couple it, shots where I feel like they slowed it down a little bit and it didn't really work. Yeah, well, it was that it was that kind of like style like I feel like there's just like a like a programmed button now and things to like do that effect. It's like something's happening really fast and then it's going to slow yeah. down and speed up again. Yeah. And yeah, um there is an alternate ending that I'm reading about here oh, is on, there? on the Wikipedia. Um so uh Kong steals a uh, steals a police car and comes to rescue Joe. Um, Joe kills Surratt and um, gets into the police car. And then they, uh, it says they hide in a neighborhood a few meters away from Surratt's headquarters. As locals come out to investigate the commotion, Kong reveals Joe is the man who killed Surratt. They help him recuperate while one local remarks Surratt's bad reputation 
And so there it's like ding dong the witch is dead and they you know they give Nicolas Cage the ruby slippers actually yeah Kong then takes Joe to a boatman and gives him his passport so that he may flee a country so literally mm. tells you know here's the ruby slippers there's no place like home uh Joe thanks Kong for his assistance and gives him a bank account number with a bonus stating he was a good student yeah and then and then Joe Joe takes off. So I don't know if they were like, well, let's let's keep our options open in case there's yeah, going to be a sequel. Or... I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't like it as much. I actually, for everything that I don't like about the movie, I do like that it ended with him taking himself out. And I will elaborate. Okay, go on. Because he does come in as this strict like you know i live by a code right um but he seems to do everything that somebody who lives by like that type of code shouldn't do yeah he like and it doesn't take it's not like it's it's like when kong is like I want to be your I want to be your student. And it's like they've only they've only just like done one thing together. And then and then he's like, there's your first lesson. Uh, yeah. Like he doesn't have to try. Like we don't have to see Kong like continue trying and, and him struggling with the like, hey, like I'm usually going to kill this person at the end of this. And then not to mention, he starts up a relationship. Right. Yeah, like I mean, eighteen-year-old. Uh, yeah, the age difference is noticeable. So the thing is, like, had there only been one of those two things, I think it would have been a lot better because you could have really developed it a lot more. I uh, I think I would have preferred the like teacher-student aspect to it more than the you know the the female interest, which is you know I think it was their way of incorporating the element from the original which is that the hitman in the original is deaf and mute. And uh, Nicolas Cage was just like, well, I have to say a few things, so <laughs> let's just give that to somebody else. But, uh, and you know, it's cer- certainly an interesting thing, but it's like in a different movie, it would have been done a lot better. And, uh, or like maybe if it was treated appropriately, but they just couldn't in this. No, and, and it wasn't necessarily... L- I think that what it did provide is when she realizes when she when she sees him for who he truly is after like right. he gets it. And I, I mean, that was a that was an I would say if there's any sequence that I would say represents the best that this film has to offer, it's kind of that sequence. Yeah. Where she's she's facing away and I don't, had they just kissed or something. Uh, she's like she's, she's, she handed them the note that says that she enjoys spending oh, time with him or something. Yeah, and like she's really happy and she's smiling, and you know she can't hear that behind her there yeah. is just like blood being shed in every direction until it like hits her. Right. Although here's another okay. As I'm talking about it and I'm thinking about it, this the the voice in my head is saying. Wouldn't she have felt, I mean, like there's all this action going on, not that far Smelled behind Smelled things. Wouldn't she have sensed that? Like, wouldn't, especially because when you, when you don't have a, the use of one sense, the others do. It's, you know, 
you're more sensitive I, to that. I know, I know. It's it's nitpicking, yeah. and 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 it's but but it's it's also like it is a really kind of interesting sequence. And but after that, they're done. Yeah. Well, it. Well, he attempts to uh, try to reconcile, uh, or. I don't know. It, there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, something's going to happen and then nothing happens. So there's just a it's lot like of missed kinda, opportunities. Like half-assed the storyline. Yeah. And, you know, it would have been more interesting to develop the Kong storyline more. Kong, I mean, that was a, a really great character. And uh, Shakrit Yam, Yamnaram. Yamnarm? Uh, Yamnarm? Shakri Yamnarm, uh, he was fantastic. I thought he was great. Well, and, and there's uh, where, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, in his love interest, whose name I'm blanking on, Aon, Aon, um, so that's Panward, Aon, Amani. Uh, but she was, she was great. I mean, I thought that they had a really Cool thing going on. I like the way that we meet Kong. He's trying to rip off some American tourists. And, you know, that's the kind of person that our protagonist or Joe, whatever, is looking for. You know, somebody who is sneaky and wily and has no regard for the law. What do you have in your mind? You got that thinking face on. I, yes, it's happening. Um, you could smell the burning. Uh, well, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, this movie really should have been focused on Kong because it would have resolved a lot of issues if Kong had been your central character. First of all, it would have given the need for him to need to really convince Joe to take him under his wing. Like we would have need needed to see it like like in Kill Bill where where uh, where the bride uh, has to like like camp out at the steps of the thing and like the guy yeah. won't let her come up uh, for like for weeks. We don't like we need, you know, in what we got. He just he like, you know, the kids like I want to I want to be your student. OK, OK, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but fine. Um, yeah, I feel like I, with the focus on Kong, then you would need it would make more it would make a lot more sense just from a writing perspective that you would have him uh, that you would need to see him s struggle and work to earn and to turn Joe, um, you know, in his favor. Also, then you would you would get the romantic aspect of you know that that we're kind of looking for without needing to have the the character fawn the uh the pharmacist nicholas cage's yeah interest. so i i mean i look i wouldn't even say that we're jumping ahead because we're this is an all over the place movie it's an all over the place episode but my idea for bringing this back would be a sequel that focuses on kong's character and maybe it's one of those sequels that like you know, you don't need to have seen the original to understand things like, you know, it really is Kong's story. Maybe there are references to his past or like his, you know, his first teacher or something like that. And, you know, it's like he's, you know, whatever, 13 years or whatever has gone by. He's learned from the mistakes of, you know, his predecessors and he has developed his own set of rules that he lives by and he's good at it. And, you know, I, I think that that's just kind of all I really want to get out there is just like have a Kong movie because 
he's a he's a great actor um th- i mean bangkok dangerous is the only and i'm saying this kind of in quotes but american movie <laughs> or one of the few that he's done um i think that all of his other uh work is just based in thailand and yeah. he's a writer and or, or he's a actor and director and a whole bunch of other things so it's like you know it, and maybe this isn't an american release maybe it just is for thailand but he's a very charismatic actor and the character is uh, i don't know has more dimensions than uh than nicolas cage's character so yeah i, I want a kong movie yeah and it's, that's that's pretty much where i was where i was left other than you know yeah, you could go the prequel route, but I feel like you could take whatever whatever storyline you would use in the prequel, you could just apply that to this. Like, how about Bangkok Dangerous is the prequel? And then I was, I, I was like just being silly. I was like, what if each other film is, you know, Kong has to go to a different city and it's, uh, you know, Chicago Dangerous. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, no, um, El Paso Dangerous. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that there's opportunities to just like have a kind of Fast and the Furious presents style attitude towards things and really just have it be this, you know, uh, and, and I think that John Wick was kind of doing this in its own way, but like this kind of hitman world and maybe it, it just kind of follows the thread going from Kong to other assassins and things like that. Well, also, like like you said, it's been 13 years, so you've got Ooh, all Hitman of these... Bar Mitzvah. Wait, what? Hitman Bar Mitzvah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> After a hitman's been a hitman for 13 years, they have a Hitman Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> they go from hit boy to hitman. <laughs> all right. Uh, are we done that, is the podcast that's really over? taking it bar, bar mitzvah dangerous uh yeah. that's really taking it into a different direction than i expected no so i i i agree i don't really think there's i mean it's kind of like it it really kind of comes across as like just one of these genre movies that you can swap out um you know i i couldn't tell you any of the other titles off the top of my head but i'm sure you could just go and find a movie and swap and get like the same value from it there's really there's i don't think there's anything that nicholas cage or nick cage brings to this like i don't think there's anything he brings to it that where that makes it his right yeah Uh, i mean nicholas cage gets you into the door It, it, it introduces you to this movie but otherwise it's like no it's it's weird I mean, interestingly, and I like, by the way, I like the idea of just having like a Thai based franchise because I also don't think that that everything necessarily needs to be, you know, like uh, Americanized. And I mean, clear, like neither of us saw the original Bangkok Dangerous, but we both assumed that it's better than this. So like, why not? You know, why not do that? And, you know, who knows? Like, with the way that movies go these days, you could end up having him, like, run into John Wick and, they, like, he's in, like, John Wick sure. 5 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the John, the John Wick movies are, and I, I really have only seen the, the first one. They seem oh, to have they're all of, great. They seem to kind of have their 
own um kind of theme and tone to them that's kind of like almost like comic book but not not like avengery comic book um graphic novel yeah yeah, yeah. and i i i appreciate and i think it's it, i think they're you know i i have no objection to it i just haven't uh gotten around to watching the other ones so well dan yeah. i think that this is a great way to get into a little game i've prepared for you it's oh. not a very long game Fun. And uh, just to remind our audience or let everyone know for first time listeners, when we play a game, the uh, if if Dan answers correctly, you'll hear this sound. And then if Dan answers incorrectly, you'll hear this sound. So, Dan, on this episode, we are going to play a game called Hitman, Shipman or Splitman. In which I will name an actor, and you will tell me if they have played a hitman, someone who gets covered in shit, or someone who does a split in a movie. Okay? Okay, so so a, a hitman, an assassin for hire. Yes. A shitman, someone who literally gets covered in shit someone in a, gets covered in in shit. movie. Mm-hmm. In and a movie. then split man was... Someone who does a split. Oh, someone who does does a split. Okay, physically yeah. does a split. Okay. Someone who does a split. Got All it. right, Dan. I wasn't sure if it's like someone who leaves. And uh, I, even though I'm not going to be keeping track of the points, you'll get an extra one if you name the movie in which the person is either a hitman, shitman, or splitman. And also, I want to note, I am saying hitman, shitman, and splitman, but it could also be a hit woman, shit woman, or split woman. Okay. Hit person, All right. shit person, split person. And yes. just for the record, my hands are up. I do not have my phone and I am not. I always trust you to not be Googling. All right. George Clooney. Dan is thinking. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. George, He's trying to George. think. He's trying to picture him covered in shit. He's I was trying to picture uh, him doing a split. I'm going to say Hitman in the movie is the American. Very well done. I wanted to start it off with a pretty simple one. I, I was going to go Shitman because for a moment I was thinking about, like, I was like, wait, in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> I know. You can kind of picture it. but yeah, You can. George Clooney's that great of an actor. Go ahead. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Dan is thinking. He's looking like someone who's thinking. Can he yeah, picture Jennifer right. Lopez murdering somebody for hire? I all right. So I'm I'm trying to run through all of of J Lo's movies in my mind. Um, something I do frequently anyway. But I am gonna say, um. I'm I'm trying to remember if she's done a split in anything. Uh but I'm going to say I'm going to say hit woman and I'm going to say was she a hit woman in Geely? In Geely she worked for I believe hired assassins but I don't oh. but she was not one herself. She was there to watch over Ben Affleck's character to make sure he got the job done. 
Oh, okay. Uh, Jennifer yeah, Lopez will play an assassin in a movie called The Mother for Netflix coming out next year. But she was a split woman in Hustlers. Okay. All right. Yes. Uh, okay, Dan. All right. One and one. Dev Patel. You've seen him on television. Shit, man. You've seen Slumdog him. Millionaire. Notorious. Notorious. I got it back. I got it back, baby. Okay. Adam Sandler. Famous funny man, Adam Sandler. Former Saturday Night Live cast member turned cultural icon. Star of movies such as Funny People, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, Billy Madison, and others. Dan is thinking. I'm going to go with it's funny because for each one of these i have to have a moment where i'm picturing them doing a split um i am gonna i'm for adam sandler i can't think of anything where he's been a hit man so i'm gonna go shit man and if i have to guess i don't know grown-ups too you it is not grown-ups too but he is a shit man in Eight Crazy Nights, one of the characters that he voices gets some doo-doo. Oh. Okay. Uh, however, I am not certain if he does a split in You Don't Mess With the Zohan. He's, he does on the, on the poster art, but I don't know if he does it in the movie itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yes. So. And also, I was thinking, is he an assassin in that? But no, he is a government agent. Yeah, so I was really, like, yeah. that yeah. That Adam Sandler could be a, a number of things. Who knows? He's been in so many movies. Ever since he started doing the Netflix ones, I'm like, I didn't see well, any Well, yeah, and then there's, there's one where... Uh, you know, Kevin James is a hitman. There's the movie The Do-Over where he, you know, maybe he's one. No, he's not. I so, I didn't see yeah. Well, that's that's why this game is a game. And it's yeah. not just Dan knows uh, the answers. It's a game of chance. Hmm. I think our next episode will also be a game of chance. But we'll talk about that later. Oh. <laughs> Bridget Fonda. Oh, uh, hit woman, point of no return. Nice. A remake of La Femme Nakita. That's right. That's right. Uh, we should we should do those sometime. I I think yes. Bridget Fonda is fantastic. All Love right, Bridget Fonda, big fan. Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. I'm gonna no- go Split Man. I'm going to go split man. Oh, geez. I was like, someone's got to be a split man at some point. Is he a shit man? He's a shit man. Johnny English. In Johnny English. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew Johnny English wasn't a hit man. Right. But, you know, Rowan Atkinson has been in many movies, not just Mr. Bean stuff, you know? Zazu in The Lion King. Zazu in The Lion King. Among others. Okay. Here's one that'll uh, be a quick one for you to answer. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Split man in everything he's in. 
Everything he, I, I mean, also Time Cop, I don't You're going to notice I played both sound effects because, yes, he, of course, was a split man, but he was also a hit man in assassination oh. games. Oh, okay. That's yeah, right, Dan. Didn't... There can be more than one. Oh, right. Assassination games. Right. Yes. I just <laughs> Everyone's learned that, favorite that movie. Sean I'm Van now Van years movie. old learning about that. Okay. Okay, there. Dan. Ewan McGregor. Ooh. Oh, uh, shit, man. Train spotting. Very much so. Very yes. much so. Oh, wow. Oh, man. What a movie. I remember 25 years since that came out. Holy shit. Okay, Dan. James McAvoy. Oh. Um I oh, I'm going to say uh Hitman and Wanted. <laughs> Because, Dan, he is also a split man in Split and Glass because he has split personalities. Oh, no, that's... Hey, no, when I don't you, get a wah, when wah, you wah. said you When you said earlier that someone who physically does a split, I did not say yes. There's no, no you, point in fighting you, me on this. This I is was a like, meaningless yeah, I was like, game. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I Yeah, no, I uh, I wouldn't. I don't think I would have guessed that anyway, because Wanted came to mind. Want, yes, and Wanted would be definitely correct. And uh, I'm looking to see. I have one more. Johnny Knoxville. Oh, boy. John Knoxville. <sighs> John Q. Knoxville. I'm going to go with, I mean, oh man, it seems so obvious. That's why it seems so obvious. I'm going to go shit, man. He was a hit man in the movie Polar. And uh, he was only a shit man on the Jackass TV series. Oh. Not in a movie. And I specified that these all have to be in nope. movies earlier. Yeah, and I have not I, seen a single jackass anything. So I just was uh, like, odds are this guy's been covered in shit at some yes, point. Yes, he famously on the TV show was put into a porta potty that was uh, catapulted. <laughs> oh, and yeah. yeah. And uh, they did a new version of it in Jackass 3D, except it was Steve-O in there, not Johnny Knoxville. And uh, yeah, it's something. It's something. Uh, Okay. Yep. So there you go. I remember I saw Jackass 3D in the theater after like, I think it was like fresh after a breakup or something. No, it wasn't a breakup. It was a breakup for a person that I went with. I remember it was definitely a cheer up mission for somebody involved. Okay. And it was, uh, yeah, Jackass 3D. And uh, it was, uh, man, it was wild. That was a really crazy one. Yeah, I have not seen a single one of those. They were recommended. I remember whenever I hear about the Jackass movies, I think about we took these classes before our daughter Chloe was born, and we took all these we we did these different classes and i did this like daddy boot camp thing um this you know one day and it was like you know a bunch of like 
dads, experienced dads who were helping out. And this one guy who, in my mind, has the voice of William Devane. Um, <laughs> was he trying to sell you gold? I, <laughs> he's not trying to. No, he's trying to sell me on the Jackass movies. He's he's like when you have to get up and help with like, you know, with the baby, with like, you know, the, with the two in the morning feedings or something. And you just put on something mindless on the TV, like during the feed. He was like, oh, those Jackass movies are great for that. Oh, my God. What a weird memory you have. i was thinking i was thinking about that because then i was like oh okay so this isn't gonna be so bad so i'm just gonna watch like shitty movies in the middle of the night for a while okay yeah 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 (laughs) well anyway dan that was hitman shipman or Splitman, a game that i'm sure we're gonna play a lot uh (laughs) the thing is like there's so many hitman movies that it was like man you know you could do you could do this and just like be going all night but uh, and I was trying to remember when in Raising Arizona, John Goodman, when he comes out, is he has gone through a sewer, right? Yeah. So he could have he was probably a ship man. Uh, Shawshank Redemption also would have been a a ship man situation. But. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, for some reason right now, I've got like a block against thinking about movies where people get covered in shit. And <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, I, I don't know. I appreciate that game, though. That was a lot of fun. You know, sometimes you just got to do something when yeah. you're doing a movie like Bangkok Dangerous. It's just like, well, what else you, can we do? You got to have some fun because you're not getting it from that. Yeah. Movie. So I don't know, Dan. Uh, last thoughts about Bangkok Dangerous? No. No. I yeah. I honestly don't want to think about it again. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that terrible, but it's just like I don't need that movie does not need to take up as a single bite of space on my mental hard drive. Yeah. So, all right. I have recently been thinking that I'd like to spend less time on Twitter. Because, let's face it, Twitter has proven itself time and time again to be, uh, you know, a giant box of crap. And uh, it only you can only just cause trouble or there's no nothing good to do on there that you can't do someplace else. So I, I'm deciding to, like, try to work my way out of Twitter and just focus more on, uh, I think, a social app that caters more to my liking letterboxd yeah. i think i want to just focus more on doing stuff in letterboxd so you know i uh i believe i gave it two stars uh and i gave it the a review uh, along these lines where it's like it's really hard to make a movie and to get a movie made to get people on board to get money for it uh, hiring people and uh, people make, you know, get a, get some good paychecks working on these movies and I'm happy for them. So I'm happy that this movie happened so that people could make some money and it, I'm sure I, I did it film in Thailand probably. So it's like, I don't know, maybe it helped out the economy there a little bit. Like I, I don't want to be the person that just says, this is a bad movie. I'm wow. trying to think of the good things about it. 
you are making me feel absolutely terrible because I oh, no. too left a review for Bangkok Dangerous on Letterboxd. <laughs> oh no, what is it? It's just the poop icon, <laughs> the poop emoji. The poop emoji. <laughs> so it, it is like, it is the opposite of your review. Uh, I gave it one star and the poop emoji. Wow. Uh, you know, all I have to say is that uh, I'm just trying to see everything for the good things about it. And uh, Bangkok Dangerous was, it tested me. It did. But it's true. It's really hard to make a movie. It's really hard to get it a, is hard. a, a and feature they did film it. made. They, they did, did it. it. They did I'm it. I'm very happy for them. No, you know, a- absolutely. Yeah. Hey, people got paid. Yeah, Nicolas Cage paid down some debts. They uh, made a movie, and that's and that's great. But and and I I want to I'll add is I've, I it's funny I've for similar reasons have been on Letterbox. I don't feel like oh, I nice. I I've not fallen into the Twitter trap as much recently where I see something that angers me and spend 20 minutes uh drafting a, a tweet and then just decide not to send it cuz I don't want to deal with with all the other crap, but right. just to kind of like just to do just to be I don't know more contribute more. Yeah, I've been doing a lot more of Letterboxd and making lists and things yeah. like that and it's it's a lot of fun writing writing reviews. I did. I wrote a four and a half star review, by the way, for a movie I watched last night for the first time in a long time. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, The Thing is fantastic. Oh, I was uh, I was thinking about The Thing while I was working on Hitman, Shitman, or Splitman. Not because there's shit in it, but uh, you know, like Wilford Brimley just, like, does that split. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, animals do split apart. What's Blair doing? <laughs> I don't know. He's doing split. <laughs> uh, no, but I was thinking He's about only 30 like, years old. The, uh, the visual effects and, you know, just how grotesque some of them were. And just that's what my amazing. my review, my review really calls that out and was oh, practical effects. I was like that. I was like, just there's so much like terror because everything is so tangible in this movie. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about the thing some other time. Another time. Yes. So on the next episode of Rune mm-hmm. Childhoods, we are going to be talking about 1979's Being There. Directed Yay. by Mr. Hal Ashby, who we've previously talked about with Harold and Maude, starring Peter Sellers, right. Shirley MacLaine, Jack Warden, Melvin our, Douglas. Our second Peter Sellers, our second Hal Ashby, and our second Shirley MacLaine. Yes, uh, we talked uh, Shirley MacLaine in the apartment, and I yeah. don't, I don't know if we've done anything else, but being there, um, you know. Uh, considered by many to be a to be a classic and uh, i haven't seen it in a long time so i'm excited it'll give to, me a good yeah. excuse to bust out my criterion collection blu-ray of it that i got <laughs> during one of the barnes and noble sales nice uh nice yeah so yeah. i am uh what that i saved money by purchasing it uh on a sale using a gift card that was intended for my daughter <laughs> Yes, no, I'm very critical of that, as though I've never done the same thing to get bamboozled on Blu-ray from the Criterion well, Collection. 
Dan, as you speed away on a little uh, motorboat to try to get away from an assassin, I wish you a good journey. Good journey.